Chapter Four of Fresh Every Hour by John Peter Tuohy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In the seclusion of his private office, Jimmy telephoned the Associated Press, the police, and the nearest United States life-saving station in the order named, while McClintock, who was plainly tremendously worried, paced restlessly up and down the floor, pausing occasionally to glance out of the window at the broad expanse of sky and sea in the vain hope that some sight of the lost dirigible might greet his eye. Just as Jimmy began calling up the Metropolitan newspaper offices in a fine frenzy of excitement, both men heard the office door slam violently. They turned in unison and found themselves confronted by Lolita Murphy. Gone was the shy manner, the demure smile, and the air of coy ingenuousness. Her cheeks were flushed, her eyes were blazing, and her whole manner indicated that she was in what is generally referred to as a state of mind. "'Hello, girlie,' Jimmy called out pleasantly. "'What's the matter?' "'Don't you dare girlie me, Mr. James T. Martin,' retorted Lolita, in a voice that she was palpably trying, with a great effort, to keep at an even and menacing tone. "'Don't you dare to speak to me again. I came in to tell you that, and to let you know that even if I do come from Cedar Rapids, I can't be fooled by any New York, by any New York, bunco man!' Her voice broke on the last word, and tears came into her eyes despite the struggle she was making to hold herself in hand. Jimmy came toward her, but she waved him off hysterically. McClintock watched the proceedings in amazement. "'What's the idea, Lolita?' began the press agent beseechingly. "'I don't get you. I don't understand.' "'Don't try to tell me that,' ran on Lolita, who was now half-sobbing. "'Don't try to tell me that you didn't turn me down when that English girl came into the park with all those society people, and that you didn't get together with that Wilkins fellow to have me left there so you could get a better story out of it with her?' You fixed it all up, and you can't tell me that you didn't, because I just know, that's all. I had a sweater on under my dress, so's I wouldn't catch cold, and I had milk chocolate in my pocket, and I'd written home to mother about it's going to happen, and telling her not to worry about anything she might read in the papers the first day, and now nothing's happened at all to me, and I've been made a fool of, and it's all your fault. If you ever try to come near me again, or speak to me, I'll slap your face, Mr. James T. Martin. I'll slap your face. Do you hear me, Mr. James T. Martin? I'll slap your fresh little face. She was gone before Jimmy could remonstrate. The door closed behind her with a more reverberating bang than the one which had heralded her entrance. Jimmy dropped into the nearest chair and gazed vacantly into space. McClintock shook him roughly by the shoulder. "'Say,' he shouted, "'what in hell is this all about?' "'She handed me the mitt, Mac. She's handed me the mitt. And she wouldn't even let me explain,' responded Jimmy brokenly. "'It's the real heartthrob stuff this time, Mac. The real heartthrob stuff. I had everything framed up for her, and this English Jane just drops in like a joker, running wild and wins the hand.' You had what framed? Why, this drifting out to sea stunt, replied Jimmy in a dead voice. This drifting out to sea? You don't. You can't mean that this thing is a plant. 
gasped the manager incredulously. "'Of course it is,' returned the press agent, with something of the old note of self-assertiveness in his voice. "'I had it all fixed up for Lolita, and now this society dame is going to get away with all the headlines. When I saw Wilkins pull her into the car, I didn't think he'd go all the way through. But it looks as if he's decided to. There's no use in worrying about it. Every little thing is coming out all right. And say, don't forget to remember that it's going to be some story now. Some story.' "'Just let me get this big idea through my head,' persisted McClintock. "'What happens next?' "'Of course his motor hasn't really gone dead,' replied Jimmy. "'He's just ordered his engineer to shut it off so they can drift with the wind. That was all framed up between us. He'll probably turn on the gas again and cruise around out of sight of land for a couple of hours, and shut off his engine every time he sees a ship coming in sight. That'll be an alibi for the story.' When the little old sun starts to sink in the west, he'll turn that gas bag towards the Jersey coast, and he'll make a landing just before dark at a place we picked out yesterday morning. He's going to lay under cover there, and we'll keep the country guessing all day tomorrow. But someone will see him land, criticized the manager. I don't think there's a chance of that, replied Jimmy jauntily. We picked out a spot that's as lonesome looking as an iceberg. There isn't a house within two miles, and there's nothing but marshland all around. There's one little place right in the center that's high and dry. That's where he lands. Wilkins got his car planted a couple of miles away, and his chauffeur is going to be right on the job in a rowboat. You see, there's a little creek that runs through the swamp, and the girl is going to be taken away in the boat and slipped away to a hotel. That is, Lolita was going to be slipped away and was going to keep dark until she got the signal to appear again. Maybe the society queen'll be game enough to go through with it just for the fun of the thing. We were going to keep the agony up until tomorrow night at the earliest, and maybe until the day after tomorrow. Then Wilkins was going to telephone that he'd just landed after being tossed about in the air and all that, and Lolita was going to have a nervous collapse and be interviewed in bed by a flock of reporters with a couple of trained nurses and three doctors hovering around in the offing. You can fill in the other details yourself. Anyhow, it's a grand little notion for a story, even if this Betty Ashley person doesn't come through. We'll know about that tonight. How so? Why, the chauffeur has instructions to telephone me the minute he gets to the hotel. That ought to be not later than 9.30. Why didn't you tell me all about this beforehand? Jimmy smiled a bit guiltily before replying. I had a hunch that maybe you'd put the kibosh on the whole scheme because I was featuring a certain party too much, he responded. He grew serious again for a minute, and a far-away look crept into his eyes. Say, Mac, he went on, I had a number that called for the grand prize, and I've lost the ticket. It's rotten luck. From the way she spoke a few minutes ago, I'll bet I don't ever get out again, not even on probation. That'll be all right, consoled McClintock. I'll fix that part of it for you. It's a great story even if the Honorable Betty Ashley doesn't go through, and if she does, why, if she does, it'll be the biggest thing ever pulled off in this country. Think of that for a while. The Associated Press and the Metropolitan Newspapers were inclined to be a bit skeptical of the facts which Jimmy telephoned them at the outset, 
but outside confirmation was forthcoming promptly, and within two hours after Major Bobby Wilkins and Honorable Betty Ashley had disappeared in the general direction of the open sea, the story was the sensation of the summer in journalistic circles. A squad of picked feature writers invaded Jollyland in quest of detailed particulars concerning the events leading up to the beginning of the ill-fated balloon trip. Seven sob-sisters motored to the palatial home at which the Honorable Betty was a house-guest and interviewed a weeping and distraught maiden-aunt of that lady who had been acting as a submissive chaperone, and who was certain that when dear Ned, her father, hears the news, he'll froth at the mouth and have a stroke. Cables were frantically dispatched to London, instructing correspondents to break the news to dear Ned and watch the results. City editors pawed over assortments of photographs of the beautiful heroine and conferred with art department heads as to the most suitable ones to use for decorative layouts. Dozens of legmen were sent out to points along the Jersey and Long Island coasts with directions to watch for any possible news of the return of the balloon and to keep on the lookout for any pleasure yacht owner who might have seen the dirigible after she passed out of sight of land. The Washington offices were instructed to post a man in the Navy Department all night long to watch for any wireless news which might come flashing back from the torpedo boat destroyers which, at the urgent solicitation of the British ambassador, were to be sent out to scour the sea in search of the missing airship, and it was unanimously decided at editorial councils in every office to let the story lead the paper the following morning, unless some great unforeseen national or international calamity transpired in the meantime. Jimmy Martin became the focus point of more importunate news-gatherers than he had ever fancied in his wildest dreams, would assail him for information, and when a delegation of correspondents from a half-dozen London papers looked in on him at eight o'clock and told him that they had been instructed to rush as much stuff as the cables would carry, he almost passed into a trance. Mac, he confided to the manager when the English correspondence had gone, I feel like the fellow who looked at the giraffe and said, there ain't no such animal. There ain't no such story. It's a dream. Well, I've left instructions that we're not to be called, returned McClintock. Let's dream a little more. In the star dressing room on the big stage of the open-air auditorium, Lolita Murphy was getting ready for the evening performance of Secret Service Sally, and was making a brave effort to control herself. She was as forgotten as yesterday's newspaper, and the realization of it sent great tears of bitter disappointment coursing down her rouged cheeks into the make-up box on the little table in front of which she sat. End of chapter 4